Hello family, this is Stacy with SF Johnson Family and Community Services and I just wanted to share this video with you and this is Dr. Claude Anderson and he's been around for quite some time. He's looking uh, kind of older here. I mean he's been around quite some time trying to encourage the black community through churches which you know he should have known. <laughs> That wasn't exactly going to work with those guys teaching prosperity and all of that. He thought it was going to work, but he has such valuable knowledge for us. And this video is about how America, uh, it, it's basically his ideas on America creating a permanent underclass, which is us. And he gives his ideas about it, and it, it really does go along with what i spoke about on cast and i hope you will join me i'm going to be, be presenting the book in full detail and i won't be able to do it on youtube and so i hope you'll join at our website sfjfamilyservices.org where i can give you a link i'll be presenting all of that on blog talk radio um and that should be very interesting so uh, again, here is our video. It's about 30 minutes. I may stop from time to time to comment, but this is Dr. Claude Anderson on creating a permanent underclass. And I'm actually showing the video too, so I think it's cool. Here we go. Every group on this earth understands that you're in a team relationship. Or you lose by default. And only with black folk do people get upset when black folks start talking about coming together and uniting and working together and cooperating together, buying from each other and supporting each other. You know why? For a simple reason that everybody understands when you come together and unify, that signifies strength. And right now, everybody right now is pimping and hustling black folk. They've been pimping and hustling black folk for four or five hundred years. We spend approximately 97% to 98% of all our money outside of our own community, as an example. And we don't practice group economics. We don't practice group po politics. All that makes, when we spend 98% of all our money outside of our community, what that does, it makes the other groups enriched. They now are living off of two incomes. They live off of 100% of their money and 98% of our money. It's evident that he cares. What do you care about? Welcome to The Rock Newman Show. It's The Rock Newman Show. The Minister of Wellness Ministries and Rock Newman Show 2.0 present free community health fair and seminar Saturday, March 18th, 2023 at Union Temple Baptist Church, Washington, D.C. Or as VP before we reach capacity, DMV Health Fair dot eventbrite.com or click the link in the description box if you can't make it in person no worries you can purchase the live stream hope you're able to go visiting people. the minister of wellness.com under healing services or once again just click that link in the description box calling all potential vendors sponsors or volunteers please submit a contact form via the minister of wellness.com or call 888-847-8026 that's sorry i didn't fast forward through this 8026 it's high time for a health revolution it says today america finds itself embroiled in issues 
of the Confederacy, slavery, immigration, and a myriad of issues based on race and racism. And it asks the question, why is race such an enduring problem? And your answer is? For the simple fact that it's, it's the third rail in American society. Nobody wants to touch it. Because see, if they touch it, all of a sudden that obligates white folk to do something in response to the fact that they have maltreated black folk throughout 500 years in this country. And they systematically maldistribute almost 100% of all this nation's resources. That's all the land, wealth, power, resource, privileges, rights, and controls of all levels of government into the hands of the dominant white society. And they've been locked and boxed into that, and now they're presently a permanent underclass. And whites don't want you to bring that up, because that way they have some obligation. And so what they'll do, they'll push back and say, we're not planning on sharing anything with black folk in this country. And that's the dilemma. Nobody wants to address the issues of what they do. They just try to use very broad, ambiguous terms to make black folk disappear and become unnecessary and irrelevant in this society. You ask the probing question, how is it that black civil rights, the black civil rights era produced more gains for other class groups than the intended beneficiary blacks? For a very simple reason, and that is through inherited wealth. See, every, see I, I just told you a few minutes ago that 99% of everything was contributed, was maldistributed into the hands of the dominant white society but now that now 87% of is frozen, locked in there, is locked into the dominant white society, into their trust accounts, banks, institutions, universities, communities, and, and their culture. You can't, the black folk cannot get access to it. That's why you, the present administration, like with Trump, one of the first things they're gonna focus on is inherited laws, change the tax structure, so they can pass on all these rights and benefits into their offsprings. And black folk, on the other hand, are gonna be confronted by white kids, for instance, coming, that they get, a white child gets, gets gets 87% of what he needs to be a competitive individual in our society at birth. As soon as he hits the air in the hospital, he gets 87% because everything he needs will have is in the white society. He can get access to it anytime he wants. But the black child, on the other hand, he can't compete because when he's born in that same hospital, he can't, there's nothing inheritable that he can, that he can, can gain. So he, because everything that, the, that the, uh, the blacks have been focusing on for the last hundred years is not inheritable. Food stamps, welfare, public housing, and a job, you cannot inherit them. So the black child is non-competitive. He can't compete with a white child. So in the morning, he, even if he wants a job, he got to dress up and go to a white neighborhood or somebody else's neighborhood try to look for a job. It's impossible. He can't compete. That's why he's a permanent underclass. Oftentimes when proponents of black equality and liberation express strong views. They may be telling a strong and accurate truth, but they get criticized, you get criticized, for talking that black stuff and the sense that when you talk about black empowerment, you are in some way discriminating against white people or others. How do you address that? Well, very simply, uh, Rock, first of all, let them know that every group on this earth understands that you're in a team relationship. Racism is a team sport. It came into existence as a team. You play as a team or you lose by default. And only with black folk do people get upset when black folks start talking about coming together and uniting and working together and cooperating together, buying from each other and supporting each other. You know why? For a simple reason that everybody understands when you come together and unify, that signifies strength. And right now, 
everybody right now is pimping and hustling black folk. They've been pimping and hustling black folk for four or five hundred years. We spend approximately 97% to 98% of all our money outside of our own community, as an example. And we don't practice group economics, we don't practice group politics. All that makes, when we spend 98% of all our money outside of our community, what that does, it makes the other groups enriched. They now are living off of two incomes. They live off of 100% of their money and 98% of our money. And what are we left with is 2%, where everybody else is living off of 100 and 98% of everything. We live off of 2%, which makes it impossible. And so when you start talking about unifying black folk, that's a threat. They're saying, you're going to cut off your money from us. You're going to cut off. We, we're living off of two incomes. You're going to reduce us down to one income. That's a threat to them. Also, it's a threat when you start talking about unifying blacks and looking out for your own people. That means political possibility of uniting as a political force in this country, which nobody wants to see. That's a threat because all the rest of the people in society are living privileged lifestyles based on what they came in here and got as immigrants. Black folk have never had those, those, those lifestyles. So, yes, it's a threat to them. You have uh, forcefully suggested that that is by design, that where black folks are in America today, and to some extent throughout the diaspora, mm -hmm. let's talk about America today, is clearly by design. How do you defend those who simply say, look, we come here, you're here, and in America, there is the pursuit of happiness, <laughs> life, and liberty. So you, sir, are dwelling on the negative and dwelling in an area of impossibility as opposed to possibility. Well, you your first statement was right on, on point. First of all, it was by design. Your constitution itself boxed black folk in. We've been boxed in by the United States Constitution because the, the original constitution spelled out specifically what, how black folk would be treated in this country. You just mentioned something about we come here look, search, searching for life, liberty, and pursuit of, of, of happiness. That was not what it was talking about originally in the Constitution. The, originally, when Jefferson and Madison wrote the U.S. Constitution, they were talking about life, liberty, and pursuit of property. Because in the Constitution, black folk were defined as property, three-fifths of a human being, uh, equal to, to a uh, field animal, and you were treated as property. There's nothing in the Constitution that addresses the issues for black folk. We are locked in box into the Constitution. And until we go back and address that issue, black folk can never get out of it. And you can't get out of it secondarily, out of this box, because the United States Supreme Court put the lock on the box. The United States Supreme Court right now says, let's go back to the original intent of the Constitution, which says black folk should be three-fifths of a human being, property, and equal to a field animal. That's throughout the Constitution. It's never changed. And the United States Supreme Court then, in the Madison and Balfour decision in 1803, says that we're going to make sure that we abide by that. And then later on in, eight, in 1857, in the Dred Scott decision, says black folk have no rights that white folks are bound to respect. The Constitution have you locked and boxed, and the United States Supreme Court can make sure you never get out of that box. That is the most racist organization in America. 57 of the first people appointed to the United States Supreme Court were slave owners. And subsequently, most of them have been racist. So you're not gonna get out of the box unless you go back and address these issues structurally on behalf of black folk. Is there any hope that the issue of race will ever be resolved in this country? There, I think there's a very, very slight chance that it can be resolved. But, but it's gonna be up to black folks to do it though. See, because, because, because they're gonna be pushed back from the dominant society. 
because they got a social construct that excludes black folk. And so, and, and, and I'll, so later on, you can ask me, ask me about it. The, the key is gonna be how black folk classify themselves. See, first of all, black folk gotta classify themselves as, as native blacks. Make sure there's a distinct difference between a black coming from Africa and a black coming from the Caribbean, native blacks. That means people that, that were born and raised in this country four or 500 years ago that are peculiar to this, that's it. And, and if you focus on that, then say, now, what is special about those native blacks? Then you have to say, they are exceptional people. Black people in America are sec exceptional, they are special people. Now, we have politicians running around the country every day talking about America is an exceptional nation. And that, and because America is a exceptional nation based on the fact that they have a democracy, so be the cradle of democracy, and that they are, have most liberal immigration policies, and that people can, can vote, do all these kind of things. So they said, therefore, the American political entity is supposed, to be, is supposed to be an exception, and therefore, they should be given special favors among all the nations of the world. What I say is that if that's true, then black people in America are exceptional people. They're an exception within an exception, because see, nobody's been treated like black folk. You keep talking about this is a, a land of immigrants. And see, but black folk are only non-immigrants. You can't keep bringing, black, bringing immigrants into the country over black folk and giving them special benefits in, in that terms. That's why blacks can't compete. And, and can I take about a minute to get these points out for you? Yeah. See, there are four or five things. They, they're right now they're debating the DACA, immigration DACA. law. Sure. That's gonna be the death nail of black folk. That's gonna be the nail in the coffin for black folk. Because see, this nation set up its first immigration laws in, 19, in 1790. It says this is an immigrant nation and any people of the world that can pass for or look like whites can come here and get special benefits rock. They can come here and get them, but the only people that can't get it are black folk. And everybody was invited to come here. That's, and they maldistributed all the resources. And they started out by putting most of the resources starting with the land, which black couldn't get. But let me go back to this. Let, let, let me, can I stop you just yeah, for uh -huh, one second? Sure, uh -huh. Because I want you to uh, uh, take that further. Okay. So most progressives, to use that term, when they look at the, when they look at the policies of this particular administration that's in power right now, mm -hmm. Republicans control the White House, the Senate, and the Congress, and you talk about DACA, the sense is that most, most progressives, most black folks mm -hmm. want to do, quote unquote, the humane thing and make sure that those that are born here have, have rights and are not exported, and their parents aren't uh, 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 put out of, the, out of the country. So, are, so do, are you on the other side of that argument? No, what, what I say is, what I'm saying is that to do that, it is first, is unjustifiable. And it's illegal and unconstitutional, and it's the worst form of injustice that you commit against black folk. Because what you're violating is black folks' rights. But see, you, you cannot, see, the 13th Amendment, see, let's go back for a second. The 13th Amendment came into existence after the Civil War. It says very clearly, Rod, that, 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 that it mandates that, that, that black folk be treated in all manners similar to whites in this nation. Now, but see, but immigration policies and bringing in immigrants only negatively impact black folk. It's not impacting anybody else. Black folk are the only injured parties by immigration. There is, for the most part, a wholesale lack of appreciation for the impact that slavery, for the hundreds of years that it was practiced, has on today's world. Right, and see, black folk are still 
under the impact of, of 360 years of slavery, another 100 years of uh, Jim Crow semi-slavery. I didn't hear the first part you said. That they are still being burdened, they're overburdened by slavery because no one has addressed the negative impact of slavery on black folks. It's never been addressed because what was the purpose of slavery? The purpose of slavery was to systematically, socially engineer black folk into the lowest level of a real life monopoly game that was based on wealth, <laughs> power, and control, what you own and control. And slavery itself then maldistributed almost 100% of all this nation's wealth, power, resource, privileges, and controls of all levels of government into the hands of the dominant white society. And black folk don't have, they don't have enough resources to be, able to, to be a competitive group. When black folk came out of slavery, let's say before they even went into slavery, uh, they owned and controlled nothing. When they came out in the 1860s, a few blacks, about 250,000 black folk, had successfully acquired one half of 1% of this nation's wealth. And that was in 1860, Rock. Here you are 150 years later, black folks still own and control one half of 1% of this nation's wealth. And it's wealth that controls what you get, what your opportunity is going to be. And uh, that, that one half of 1%, what does it equate to today? That means that, that means that the typical white person right now has 3,500 times more wealth than black folk. And they tell black folk to go out and compete. Compete with what? What are they going to compete with? They don't own and control anything. They only still only control one half of 1% of anything that of value in our society. While they are being burdened down with six to seven times of their fair share of everything that's negative. That all the social pathology is being inflicted on them. They are the ones that are bearing the burdens of low-income housing, poverty, food stamps, welfare, dysfunctional families, no businesses, no opportunities, failing school systems. They are the ones that are being negatively impacted. Nobody has ever addressed the real issues. The civil rights movement didn't address the issues. They started talking about social integration. Social integration was not the problem with black folk and even the concept of civil rights. They twisted and corrupted that concept. Civil rights was initially talking about what you're going to do for black folk in the country when it came out in 1865 and 1866 in this first civil rights laws. And what those civil rights laws were trying to address was correct the Dred Scott decision of 1857. And what I, what I mean by that, that black folk had no rights and they could only control nothing. And so when you had, and here in Washington, D.C., you had some congressmen called radical Republicans like uh, Congressman Benjamin Thaddeus and Charles something and the rest of them, they said this that the only things that black people can ever be in America, they're either gonna be free or they're gonna be slaves. Minimally, to be free, they must have 40 acres, a mule, and $100. Now, immediately, uh, Andrew Johnson, who replaced uh, Lincoln when he got assassinated, he vetoed it. Yeah. And, and, and after he vetoed it, when the conservatives took over uh, uh, the, uh, the control of black folk, the Northerners walked away from it, left them, abandoned them. They, black folk were forced into Jim Crow segregation and peonage. And they corrupted the whole concept of civil rights and made it a, a civil issue for everybody. Nobody's ever enslaved the gays, the midgets, the humpbacks, women, uh, uh, Asians, Arabs, Hispanic and American Indians. They enslaved black folk. That's why it's critically important, go back to one of your earlier questions, for people to understand. When you start talking about issues, about rights, the Dred Scott decision said the black man has no rights. It didn't say the Asian man, the Arab man, the Mexican man, the Indian man. It says the black man. So how, what's happened now is that the whole concept of civil rights and social integration, all this has been mal distributed and it's been corrupted into what we call fabricated classes. They're getting all the benefits that black folks should be getting today. All these, and it's intentionally and being designed to make sure everything is moved away from black folk and the lock in the box stays on black folks so they never get out of it. Mm -hmm. And here's what you do when you bring them all into black folk because you do the same thing they were doing in 1790 when they brought in all these immigrants. 
You bring in millions of immigrants over black folk from Europe, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Northern Europe, and you brought them in over black folk. When you bring in immigrants, here's what, here's what happened. You got black folk that are branded, that are branded. They don't get any benefits for being living in this country because they're branded as being slaves. They get zero benefits. Now, they're not immigrants. Now, watch what on the other side. Now, when immigrants come in, watch the benefits they get. They go past black folk at 200 miles an hour to pass them. That's why in all these cities, in Chocolate City, they do better right here in Chocolate City. Now, they're underneath the immigrants. Immigrants, they come in the country, they get, a, they get a point over black folk for being an immigrant. Blacks are the only non-immigrants. Two, they classified, all of them are classified as whites. The Arabs, Asians, Hispanics, they've all been reclassified as whites. Even American Indians back in the 1890s became classified as whites. They get a point, that's the second point. They get over black folk in getting access to resources and benefits. The third thing they get, they get the benefits for being put into a, into a, into a minority category. They're classified as minorities over black folk. Thirdly, they come in with a culture that they can now they can establish a culture that they can now build businesses and industries and relate back to their homeland. And lastly, what they can do, they also bring in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in their, a religious aspect and, and business opportunities for their people. Black folk get nothing, and they can come in and take and dominate black folk. That's why right now, black folk have been buried as an underclass. That's why in this Black Labor, uh, Black History Reader, you look at the second question, it'll show you that the last statistics that came out from the United States Department of Labor says that everybody's over black folk. Black folk have not moved one eye older in 150 years. They're still on the bottom, underneath the society and outside of it. You said something earlier <clears throat> in, an, in an answer where you said that you talk about native blacks. And so that clearly uh, sounds as if you are delineating native blacks versus someone that comes here from Bermuda or Jamaica or wherever they may that's that right. they may come from that is that is black. That's right. And the purpose of that is what? Because we're being because you on the surface it would be like, hey, everybody here that's black gets treated a certain way. Why are you making that delineation? That is an excellent point. You know why? Because you see those people coming in from Jamaica or coming in from Africa, they have not been treated like black folk in this country. That's the first thing. And secondly, historically, historically, they haven't, mm -hmm. they haven't had those historical experiences. They come in here voluntarily. When they come in here, they bring some cultural aspects from Africa. They, 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 got, they can go back anytime they want. But the black people in this country have, have been, uh, exceptional people. Nobody's been mistreated, maltreated like them. The black folk are exceptional. They're the only people that came here uh, uh, out of, forcefully, one, one. Two, they're the only people that denied their humanity. Three, they were the only people denied a right to be, enjoy the fruits of their labor. Four, they were the only people denied the right to participate in government. Five, they were the only people denied the right to vote. Six, they were the only people denied the right to have an education. Seven, they were not the only people denied the right to have a business. Eight, they were the only people that participated in every war that this country has had since its founding, but whose mother country has never been against this country. All those immigrants come from countries where they fought America, and they came in. And the, and the seven, that they are the oldest and most most patriotic people in the country. Not, not, not the Confederates in the South, they're not the most patriotic people waving the Confederate flag. The most patriotic people in this country are black people, native blacks, because you see 99% of all those blacks have been a direct descendants of slaves. They've been here before 99% of all the other people ever arrived in this country. They are special people. And because they are special people, they need to be recognized, appreciated, and, uh, and reparated for, their, for what they've done in this country and building this country. They're the ones that built the bridges, the roads, cut the timber, the trees, and cleared the land, raised the tobacco, cot, indigo. 
They are the people that's fought and raised in every war to protect this country. Those, the people coming from Africa or coming from Jamaica didn't. They came here voluntarily. And, if, and, and the most important point on this is if you lump them with black folk, then you give the dominant white society a justification to say, we don't owe black folk anything. Mm -hmm. Because you see, the blackness, that, that's native, the blackness, black people, black people's blackness is more than just color. It is their heritage, it's their history, it's their code of conduct, and more importantly, it is their badge of honor, and it's what is, it symbolizes the indebtedness that this country has to them. This country does not have any indebtedness to, to people coming from Africa. They don't have any indebtedness to people coming in from the Bahamas. If you lump black folk in there, you deprive black folk of the benefit, the debt that's owed them. Don't do that. You are spitting fire. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's keep going here. Okay, so something something to think about. Give me your thoughts. Rock Newman is pretty cool. He has really good stuff, and uh, he's absolutely correct. Have a good night.